0: Welcome to Your Truth Revealed, a video podcast that explores your hidden physical and mental health potential. I'm Erica Marcoux and I share with you the power of self-knowledge. I interview industry professionals to talk about how you can be your own health expert. You're listening to episode 11, Know Your Food. This is the first part of an interview with Dr. Henry Nuss. We talk about the food we eat. One of the most important factors in overall health is the health of your digestive system.
1: All the proteins, the the cell membranes that compose our bodies are made of the nutrients that we extract from food. So our body's abilities to make our own material is limited by the quality of our diet.
0: Listen as we dive into the aspects of food that can lead to better health. The topic for this podcast is nutrition. We are meant to eat food. We need it to survive. Much of the problem is rooted in the quality of the food that we eat. One of the most important factors in overall health, including brain dysfunction, weight issues and chronic disease, is the health of your digestive system. A book that thoroughly explains how to sharpen the brain and heal the gut is called The Prime by Dr. Colry Shadhari. Our guest today is Henry Nuss who has a PhD in nutritional sciences from the University of Texas at Austin. He is an assistant professor at Louisiana State University Health Sciences Center here in New Orleans, so happy to be on location. He also worked as an evaluation contractor for the Centers for Disease Control Prevention. And the goal for this interview with you is to give people tangible guidelines on nutrition and to put the spotlight on what really matters regarding eating right and why. The phrase, you are what you eat, is literally true. How does this work?
1: If you think about it, our only fuel that we put into our bodies is food, mm-hmm. things that we eat, drink, so that's it. That's all we run on. We can't do photosynthesis like plants do. We have to eat, so if we don't eat, bad things happen. All the proteins, the, the cell membranes that compose our bodies are made of the nutrients that we extract from food. So our body's abilities to make our own material is limited by the quality of our diet. Even the proteins, for example, have you heard of the essential and non-essential proteins, uh, amino acids rather, mm-hmm. that we need these, some of our bodies make, others we need to get from exogenous sources. If we don't eat the right kinds of foods, our bodies can't function uh, properly. If we're eating a healthy diet, our bodies are healthy. If we're eating an unhealthy diet, our bodies aren't doing so well. And it's it's amazing how well our bodies can perform, even if we put trash in our bodies every day. But cumulatively over time, things start to yield and give way, and that's why we see uh, increased rates in diabetes, and obesity, and cancer, and heart disease it's a habitual thing it's a lifestyle of eating poorly
0: so i'm imagining that you know you're in your 20s you eat whatever start to get in your 30s your 40s your body starts to break down because if Uh, you haven't been eating it well you can't sustain that
1: correct and and our dietary patterns really don't change much over time Uh, you know I know that there are certain individuals maybe for medical reasons that had no choice and uh, they they have to change their dietary behaviors um, per recommendation but for the most part people eat the same things they have the same dietary habits that they follow Their food preferences are established usually by the age of six. Really? Yes. Uh, wow. So, you know, that's why I always tell people that it's really important what you feed your children. Mm -hmm. Because we're shaping their dietary preferences very early in life. And past that age, they tend to choose foods that they grew up eating.
0: Why is that? (laughs) Is that just that we're creatures of habit? or
1: I'm sure there's part of that. I think also there are some genetic factors that are involved. That right. uh, our, our bodies get nutritionally programmed to uh, have certain food preferences and adapt metabolically to the kinds of foods that we're eating at that time.
0: Does that even happen in utero? It,
1: it does. Okay. It does. And uh, you know, actually, I've been doing some research uh, recently, which shows that. Babies that are born to moms of unhealthy weight tend to grow differently, even if they're eating the same kinds of things as a baby that's born to a mom of healthy weight.
0: So that could be underweight or overweight?
1: It's, it's typically babies who are born to unhealthy weight moms are typically underweight, there's almost like a lag in the physical development for the up to first two years in life. Then they start to catch up and then start to, wow. to show signs of excessive fat deposition. Really? hmm
0: The baby is trying to compensate for what the mother was... Well... Doing
1: perhaps, perhaps, but that's
0: my theory. <laughs> I don't
1: know. <laughs> yeah. Well, at any rate, those those babies are predisposed for developing overweight and obesity and metabolic syndrome, oh. mm-hmm. and that's going to be with them for the rest of their lives, unfortunately. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about children, as we know, childhood disease is rising at an alarming rate. Why is it so important what we feed our children?
1: Well, you know, it goes back to what we were just talking about yeah. is how those nutritional preferences are established early in life. Mm-hmm. Um, they they learn those habits. A lot of the eating behavior is mimicked. They see mom and dad or whoever's taking care of them eating mm-hmm. and they want to eat those foods. So if mom and dad are eating pizza, they'll definitely get some of that pizza and they'll say, oh, this is good. They'll see their siblings eating something uh-huh. that... And and a lot of times parents tend to feed different age kids different foods. For a, a three year old, you might give them pasta. For a seven year old, you might give them chicken fingers, chicken nuggets. Right. They'll want to try that that kind of food.
0: And what's your opinion on that? Feeding them chicken fingers uh, or pizza or. Well,
1: uh, I don't always practice what I preach, unfortunately.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Idealistically. For children to even try a new food, it Mm -hmm. might take as many as 15 to 20 introductions. Okay. And most parents aren't that persistent. Mm -hmm. Uh, They'll try new food a couple of times. They'll get screaming and crying and meltdown. You know, the low blood sugar. You heard that term that kids get hangry. Yeah. Angry because they're hungry. So then they'll go back to their standby. Pasta, mac and cheese.
0: Why do you think that kids even have that predisposition to like the carbs as opposed to a fresh <laughs> vegetable?
1: A lot of those foods just taste good, tend to be sweeter. They affect satiety more quickly. What's that? So when they feel full, satisfied. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they you know, fill up quicker. Mm-hmm. At least their body sense that they do.
0: So I guess adults aren't that different.
1: (laughs) No, no, we're not really.
0: I mean, if we look evolutionarily, I'm supposing that, you know, back in the day when food wasn't that easy to get, that that would have been really satisfying. Absolutely. But now we could have it for every meal, every day, as as much as we want. And that's the issue. We're not working for it. And it's just so readily available. It's not balanced anymore.
1: Correct. And, And, you know, I, back in the day when we were hunters and gatherers and foragers let's say your body needs a thousand calories a day Mm -hmm. to survive and you can spend four hours foraging around for nuts and berries that ounce for ounce have relatively few calories one Mm -hmm. would argue or uh, you can sharpen a spear and go kill an animal Mm -hmm. in 10 minutes and have all the calories you want genetically our bodies are designed to have taste preferences for things that are rich in protein and fat because after we eat we have more time to do other things like build shelters attract a mate
0: tend to our children
1: better gene pool those taste preferences get selected Mm -hmm. through natural selection Mm -hmm. over time
0: over time, and in our modern world, I don't, I don't think that world, we've had enough time. Now to adapt. we
1: have a super abundance of energy, we can get as much as we want, and our bodies just haven't had enough time to adapt. That's why we see things happening like chronic disease, metabolic syndrome. It's just how, how it happens now.
0: And back to our, our kids, I saw a statistic that a lot of children in the US get four times their daily suggested calories just at breakfast. Right, uh, that's one know, meal.
1: Correct. If you think about what most families feed their kids, it's usually uh, cereal with milk. If it's 2% whole milk, has a lot of calories in it. Mm-hmm. Cereal, I think, depending on the brand, it can have as much as two two 250 calories per cup measure, you know, if you measure out Mm -hmm. a cup. Now, if you've ever actually measured out a cup of cereal, it's not much. It's not much. Uh, So, you know, you usually see filling up the bowl and then eating that. So that could be easily six to 700 calories for for a kid. You add in some orange juice, you know, a cup of orange juice can, depending on how how you pour, that can add on another 150, 200 calories.
0: That could be the whole intake that that child would need for the entire day.
1: And a lot of times these breakfasts, like cereals, pancakes with syrup, those are empty calories, Mm -hmm. so they're not getting much nutritional value per calorie that they're consuming.
0: Also childhood disease is rising at an alarming rate, so we've got autism, ADHD, asthma, recurrent ear infections, allergies, and obesity are all commonplace in our schools
1: that's true you know a lot of the ones that you just mentioned are in, environmentally related mm-hmm. I, I think the one that we're most concerned about at least from my perspective today is type 2 diabetes okay uh, so you might have heard of type 2 diabetes also being referred to as mature onset diabetes mm-hmm. in the past type 2 diabetes uh, was only seen in older adults now we're seeing it in our kids as young as five and six years old and it's because they're overweight or have o- obesity uh, and their bodies are just starting to show the symptoms wow. of, of a person who is 65 and, and uh, with obesity. You can imagine the difficulties uh, physically, medically, uh, financially to treat a child with type 2 diabetes it can be very challenging mm-hmm. not to mention the long-term health effects on on that individual
0: mm-hmm. especially what we're feeding our children at school we tend to only have pretty healthy stuff in our kitchen and to my daughter she goes to school and there's just all this junk food that's mm-hmm. available and oh. it's not that the even the cafeteria is selling all junk food it's that children from other families are bringing mm-hmm. food and they'll give it to her because she likes it. That's an issue that I can't control as a parent.
1: No. As a parent myself, I know exactly the struggle you're talking about. Uh, I think a lot of schools now have this sort of snacking mentality where I've seen that, yes. they'll give kids snacks. And the snacks are things like crackers, uh, dry cereal, brownies, uh, orange juice, lemonade, things that have a lot of processed sugar Mm -hmm. in them. (laughs) I was just talking to my wife about this the other day, how I noticed that both our kids come home and if we give them dinner too early, they won't eat it. And it's because they're full. Right. Because they've had that afternoon snack. And at least one of the schools we send our kids to, they put out a tray of snacks and the kids pretty much come and go as they please. I think they're supposed to only take one of each or, you know, one per kid, but they'll come back for two or three. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a bit excessive.
0: I picked up my daughter from daycare one time. She had a piece of cheese. I mean, that's not a piece. It's a big it's hunk, a hunk of cheese. And she's just eating into it. <laughs> yeah. And I and I told the director, I was like, you cannot let her do that. Yeah. Because she will just eat, you know. I mean, if it's available, she'll eat it. So there's no real shut off valve there.
1: Yeah. And I think, by and large, uh, that kind of behavior is, is allowed at schools because they might have a lot of kids that are going to cry and scream, and it just kind of calms them. It sedates them. Right. (laughs) Makes them less uh, hyper, you know, less aggressive.
0: Like every cell in your body has a shelf life? Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that?
1: All cells, regardless of how well we eat, are programmed to die at some Mm -hmm. point, right? So a process called apoptosis. From the moment we're born, we begin to die, right? Uh, it it, it is I (laughs) know but it is true all cells break down I I think what the gist of it is is that if we eat a healthy diet that's balanced and provides the right nutrients in the right quantities uh, including calories because we need calories that cells tend to um, be more hardier to survive to their fullest potential and not break down or as prone to oxidation. You hear about eating antioxidants, so foods that are high in antioxidants prevent or slow the process of oxidation, uh, which can uh, prematurely end a cell's life.
0: Okay. I just learned this, but a stomach cell lives about a day or two.
1: Okay, that seems about right. The lining of our stomach is continuously regenerating. Which is
0: also (laughs) promising. If maybe we haven't eaten that well and then we start eating better, I'm assuming that the cells would be happier and live longer and be more (laughs) There's never
1: a bad time to start eating better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So our bodies are most efficient when we're, I'm assuming, just drinking water. And how are we probably unaware about how many calories we're drinking?
1: Well, I think that is because most people don't really consider beverages, liquids, as a source of calories. They, they think, okay, things that have calories, pizza, hot dogs, hamburgers, cheese, butter. They don't think about the can of Coke that's sitting right. next to them on the table. Yeah. In my line of work, I've met many, many people who drink soda all day. Oh, as a form of hydration, as a form of something to wash down their meals with. And it's just what they drink. They don't drink straight, plain water, tap water, bottled water, filtered water. It's too boring. (laughs) Um, But if they get thirsty, they'll just drink soda or or fruit juice. What does Um, that
0: do to your kidneys? It
1: it does put a strain on your kidneys. Uh, Mm -hmm. of, Of course, it does. What? we're concerned about, at least in the work that I do for my re- research, is is how it adds to uh, weight gain. Okay. So if you think about uh, a 12-ounce Coke is 150 calories, if, if you're drinking five or six of those, it adds up quickly. I've known people who drink a case or more. In or, a day. Absolutely. Or if, if they just buy two liters, then they're filling up whatever cup they have sitting around and they don't measure it.
0: I just think about the amount of sugar and caffeine. It's a caffeine, ton of sugar. And yeah. my theory is, if if Coke can clean a penny, what is that doing to the inside <laughs> of my body?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I broke down the other day, and a guy uh, helped me. He pulled out a can of Coke and poured it on the battery, and then my car started up. So nice. <laughs> there
0: you go. There's the proof, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think another source that most people don't realize also is alcohol. So beer, wine, uh, hard liquor, alcohol has um, seven kilocalories per gram. So fat has nine, protein and carbohydrates have four. Mm -hmm. So it's just right under fat. If people have a couple of beers or glasses of wine a day, uh, that can be a significant amount of calories that they're adding uh, to their daily intake.
0: And do wineries put extra sugar in wine to make it even more appealing. Do you know about that?
1: I, I'm not sure. I, okay. I know that there's definitely some wines that are sweeter, mm-hmm. but that may have to do with the processing right. of the different varieties. That's definitely not my uh, wheelhouse, though. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I've,
0: I've learned that when people eat calories in the form of solid food, they naturally compensate by reducing... The rest of their food intake but when people ingest liquid calories they don't compensate is what you're, you're saying so mm-hmm. they don't really even think of it as calories is it true that zero calorie sodas that your body still produces insulin
1: yes and the research that i've seen most recently although we we can't say anything hard and fast mm-hmm. about zero uh, calorie beverages but all the indicators are suggesting that it's much worse for us than we thought. Really? So I, I know a lot of uh, diabetic patients that switch to zero-calorie sodas and things like that mm-hmm. because their doctors tell them to do so. Mm-hmm. But increasingly, we're starting to see that, uh, especially for people who already have diabetes, that it's it's just as bad oh, wow. as if they were consuming the the, the regular strength just uh, as bad So just as bad. That's yeah. pretty wild it, it, it is it is now I mean there isn't a preponderance of evidence to show mm-hmm. that but that's where I think we're we're headed in in terms of what we're going to start saying uh, mm-hmm. to people
0: so we've been focusing a lot on eating too many calories do you see situations where people are not eating enough and it's also creating a uh, there, health there, issue?
1: There is an issue of, of malnutrition. Um, and I'll just stick to the United States because okay. we know that in other countries, it's, it's definitely an issue.
0: Yeah,
1: We do have, I want to say it's around uh, 1 in 10% of families and, and households in the United States that are food insecure. Okay. Meaning that they don't have readily available access to food especially fresh produce, mm-hmm. healthier options. And in, in a lot of the cases, particularly in, in low income and underserved mm-hmm. populations that they're not able to get enough to eat. And in, in some cases for the children, the only time they get food is when they go to school yeah, because they go home and there's nothing to eat. Uh-huh. So that definitely can happen.
0: And what about people who intentionally are eating fewer calories? I'm thinking about people who are dieting.
1: For dieting, um, the recommendation is modest reductions in in calories, making sure that you're eating a balanced meal. You know, going on severe caloric restriction, let's say 800 calories a day or, mm-hmm. or, or lower, is mm-hmm. is not recommended. Okay. Um, just because it's hard to maintain that limit and you know we really should be getting more than that regardless right. and um, that depends
0: on your gender on your height all these factors right? right i mean clearly we're not all probably ideally supposed to ingest the same amount of calories right but, so that's and
1: dependent. no no one can truly say what your or, or <laughs> my desired caloric intake level is right um you know we just kind of Guesstimate based on how tight the pants are fitting. Right. One day to the next, but and know, that
0: could change with hormones it, it as with, you get older, as, as metabolism your metabolism slows, slows down. down. Sure,
1: how much you're exercising. Right. Uh, could regularly. even be
0: changed by medic- certain medications that you're taking too.
1: Sure. Yeah. Sure.
0: Speaking of food, it's important to balance your gut health. Our feature product for this episode is Restore by Biomic Sciences Company. The supplement helps to beneficially shift the bacteria of a large intestine. Restore is a soil-derived supplement. It goes beyond probiotics and can relieve digestive discomfort. Go to your truthreveal.com store and use promo code TRUTH for a 20% discount. This segment of my show focuses on answering questions that people have about each episode. We know how important it is to eat healthy. Still, many of us are confused about the basics of digestion. Why is this important? The health of your digestive system is the most important in your overall health. Oprah Winfrey says it best when she says, everybody looks at their poop. Think about it. Your digestive tract is essentially a fascinating tube. You have your mouth at one end, and then there's the other end. You get the point. There's about 30 feet of winding tube between those ends. This is what we call your gastrointestinal or GI tract. And imagine having this much matter in your body solely dedicated to digesting food. Your GI tract weighs about eight pounds. It's amazing what your body does as it digests food. But the real magic happens in your intestine. Your small intestine is where you absorb most of the nutrition into your bloodstream. Your large intestine absorbs water and changes food waste from liquid to stool. It's incredible that there are more than 1,000 types of bacteria that live in your large intestine. You have two to three pounds of bacteria there and this bacteria doesn't come from you and is technically not part of you. For people with GI infections, it's becoming popular for doctors to do a fecal transplant. That's taking feces from a healthy person and putting it into another person to restore the balance of bacteria in the gut. So hopefully, knowing this helps you pay more attention to your digestive health. For more learning, download your free worksheet on my website, yourtruthrevealed.com. Please subscribe and add a rating and review at Your Truth Revealed on Apple iTunes. There are also great resources in the show notes. Tune in for episode 12. It's the continuation of this interview with Dr. Henry Nuss.
1: Something kind of interesting about fat tissue is that we were more or less born with the same number of fat cells that we're ever going to have. I've heard that. That's right. Our fat cells don't necessarily divide like others' cells do. All they do is get bigger and smaller.
0: I'm Erica Marku. Thanks for listening.